Hi everyone, I'm Nerd Bummer. And I'm Tactic, and we're two of the hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our podcast started as a way for three best friends to keep in touch and discuss their nerdy hobbies like movies, gaming, tech, and more. Since then, we've grown into a great community. Every Wednesday, we chat about the latest nerdy news before getting hands-on with our weekly nerdy adventures. And don't forget our high-stakes trivia game. Come join the fun at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com and every major podcast platform. And now, back to Collateral Cinema. It's Halloween time on the Director's Cut as we explore the Resident Evil film franchise with Collateral Gaming. We're talking the first Paul W.S. Anderson Resident Evil movie, as well as the most recent 2021 released Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. So stick around, folks. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Bo Maddox. And we are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas. And yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. Also, happy Halloween, folks. Yes, happy Halloween, happy spooky time. And we hope that everybody is having a safe and happy Halloween out there. Maybe you're trunk or treating or trick-or-treating or whatever you're doing or... Maybe you're a adult or an adult couple and you're dressing up, going out and having a night on the town or something. It's like, yeah, we hope that you're having fun and we hope that you have fun listening to this episode of The Director's Cut. Hell yeah. So on this Halloween edition of Collateral Cinema Director's Cut, uh, we're tackling the Resident Evil films, specifically the very first film from uh, Paul W.S. Anderson and the most recent one, Welcome to Raccoon City. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. These were both inter- interesting movies, I have to say. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Resident Evil holds up still, and Welcome to Raccoon City, we'll, we'll get into that. That has, it's rough, but interesting, to say yeah. the least. Yeah, it surprised me, actually. But yeah, we'll, we'll start off talking about the very first film starring uh, Mila Jovovich, uh, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Were they married then, or would that happen later? I think that maybe that happened later. Okay. Especially because you have to remember, Paul W.S. Anderson, he didn't um, direct the next two uh, movies after Apocalypse. Right. Yeah, he didn't come back till later, and I think by that point they had already been married and everything, so it kind of turned into a little vanity project there, sort of. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we kind of, I kind of got this like John Derrick feel. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Luke Besson also did it with Mila Jovovich back in uh, uh, the Fifth Element. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Mila Jovovich has a thing for her directors. Apparently, it's kind of—I don't want to say weird, but I mean, more mm. power to her. In yeah. Everything. But I mean, at least the whole thing with Luke Besson was a little. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. Well, she's the central focus of this particular uh, series of film, the the first six. Yeah. And uh, so they're kind of their own alternate universe. And what's funny is that I kind of thought this was going to be an adaptation of the first game, at least loosely. But it's not, actually. It's it's just set in the same universe, basically. It's not, but, you know... (laughs) I almost want to say that it's kind of a prequel to the first Resident Evil of the Spencer Mansion. Yes, and it feels like something, I think, at the time when it was released that could have existed. Uh, and see, that this was what, 2001, 2002? It was 2002, yeah. 2002? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, not too long after the first few games had come out. I know this movie had started development all the way going back to the year after the first game came out. Yeah, they bought the rights to the first game, like, right on, and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, this had cinematic potential written all over it. I mean, it's a very cinematic game series in, It's in the first so place. weird how it is cinematic, and yet we've yet to really see, like, 
a masterful Resident Evil adaptation. Yeah, I'm afraid that we're going to have to find a much better director for that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I guess, because, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. But, I mean, I would have liked to see what they were going to do with the George A. Romero direction, because he was set to direct this movie at one point, right? Yeah, he had his hands on this uh, franchise. He he initially did a commercial for Resident Evil 2. Yeah. It, it was fully live action, and it's kind of memorable for being a good approximation of what he would have gone for. And if if you look hard enough on the internet, you can find his uh, his first draft script of the uh, of what this movie was going to be. And apparently it was just not good enough for the uh, studio executives at the time. And they were just like, nah, we need somebody else. So they went with Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. His attempts at uh, adapting video games into movies are always competent. I would say, but they're just, there's always just lacking in something. There's like a, you know, I wish it would have done this, or it, it, it feels like it's very, what do they call it, populist? Yeah, yeah, that's what he calls his type of filmmaking, populist filmmaking, which mm. I can kind of see that, you know? I mean, it's always just big, dumb action set pieces. It's got, you know, characters that are just kind of his own little interpretations of the source material and yeah. yeah, I mean that that kind of that's kind of his bailiwick right there. And you know, at this point he was coming off of his uh directorial uh I wanna, I don't think it was his debut film, but actually what I think Mortal Kombat was his debut, right? As a director. I'm not sure, but you know, but, I felt like the Mortal Kombat film had actually captured the essence of Mortal Kombat, despite not being as gory as it needed to be, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. But, and I feel like Resident Evil, it captures the feeling of Resident Evil somewhat. It definitely, at times, it does. Yeah, especially when you take into consideration the actual set piece of the hive and everything. I mean, that's totally, that totally tracks when it comes to Resident Evil, because Underground Labs, I mean, they pretty much created the concept kind of in a horror context you know yeah they, they they created that trope and i mean the hive itself i mean at first it has this very sterile kind of corporate feel to it but after the outbreak occurs it actually turns into this really kind of foreboding really just you know icky kind of feeling place you know mm -hmm. and, then, and that was that was kind of what the labs in the original Resident Evil games felt like. Yeah, I think it got the tone down. I mean, even when they were doing, you know, the shit with the lasers or whatever, which from a perspective of this is a Resident Evil adaptation seems weird, but it was effective at creating that, like, horrifying feeling. Well, it also kind of goes into the whole thing with Resident Evil having death traps here or there. It's like, I mean, it, it, was, it was initially adapted into Resident Evil 4 for what I from what I remember. Yeah, apparently this movie kind of guided the Resident Evil franchise into more of an action-oriented, or its sequels did. Yeah, it makes me wonder what would have happened if we would have gotten a more faithful horror adaptation of the, the original source material. Well, and we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get into that in the next movie. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's effective at, cre at creating the, the right mood, especially when compared to games that it actually ended up indirectly influencing yeah yeah but um you know and, and i think that this movie kind of like how four from what i can tell seems to kind of teeter the balance between much more action focused but still having some survival horror elements i think that's what this film does and that's what people complain about you know the sequels is that they're far too action focused this one's a little bit more balanced like like Re resi four i would argue Yes, it doesn't have that balance, but, you know, it also does have a little wonkiness to it because of that, I feel. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's kind of a, an undercurrent in both of these movies is that I wish that they would kind of pick their lane a little bit, yeah. you know? But this one is the one that closest comes closest to the middle of the lane there, or the middle of the road. Yeah, I would know. agree. Yeah. And, and, I mean, the characters are fine, I don't really felt like I really cared about many of them. I mean, Michelle Rodriguez is awesome portraying the exact same character she is in every other movie, but she's still a <laughs> badass doing it. And I think that in this movie, they gave her a little bit of an attempt at having some depth. 
you know? With, with her, like, having that infection, yeah, being she, the she's, first of the group to be infected, Yeah, she's right? the first of the group to be infected. I mean, she, she eventually finds out what's going on, and then most of the impetus for going further into the labs is actually finding the... Uh, eventually, Alice remembers that there is a cure for this, and then they try to go deeper into the labs to get that cure for her, so... Right, right. I mean, yeah, she's... But she's fine. I mean, I think she's a great actor with a decent enough script. Yeah. Uh, if if a little bit typecast. Um, but then there's, you know, Mila Jovovich. You know, oh. the whole angle they're going for, the amnesia thing, it's like it kind of... It definitely feels contrived. I mean, it's obviously there for the purpose of exposition and also for plot twists. That's what it's there for. Yeah, definitely. Plus the fact that she's such a blank slate character in this first movie. Like, she's very what's the word, kind of cold in many ways? Yeah. You know, it, it feels like she doesn't really warm up and jive with the character Alice until, you know, she's being directed by her husband later on, and they start getting even deeper into the absurdity and the action and everything. Like, she starts to come to her own, but even then, she, she's still kind of, she's not nearly as animated as she was in The Fifth Element. Right. Right, exactly. And, you know, I guess that, she's supposed to be kind of a link from the audience to the story. So somebody that can be as confused as us. I was, suppose so. Yeah. But you know, I just, yeah, like you said, I didn't really feel a lot of expression from her. She didn't really come into it as a character, just that we know that she's kind of a badass. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of badass when she kicks that one Cerberus, like kicks <laughs> the living shit out of it. I mean, yeah. But I mean, yeah, beyond just being a kind of a, you know, special agent for umbrella it's like there's really not much more to say about alice it's it's why it's why the resident alice series as it's called is i mean it's campy and there it has its cult following but there's some of those movies that i could take it or leave it honestly i could it's a real take it or leave it kind of series but this first movie right here there's something going on here that paul ws anderson he Maybe with a better script, it probably would have been a little tighter yeah. in certain areas, you know? Right, right. I, I, I agree. And, I mean, I, I feel like all of the characters could have improved from that. I mean, yeah. none of them really seem to have a whole lot of personality. No, not at all. Like, like, for instance, the, uh, the dude that has his sister who initially dies in the uh, initial outbreak. Oh, you know what? He, like, he, he totally has that face on all the time, like he's getting a blowjob, like Mike from The Room. <laughs> yeah. Did you he know that chocolate is the symbol of love? Me <laughs> <laughs> undies. Me underwears. Me underwears. <laughs> there's, uh... there's our room reference. It's been a while since we've had a room reference in our <laughs> shit. Like a long time. But yeah, I mean, he he really does not react the way that you would think he would to his sister's death. He's very numb and just kind of monotone about it. Like, yeah, doesn't seem torn up about it, really. No, no, he doesn't. And, uh, you know, for, for, for <laughs> Alice, for instance, I mean, she just seems to be more concerned about all the sexy time she's having with her fake husband. Oh, yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of flashbacks to the sexy times. Sexy times. And it's like, I mean, their their entire marriage is a sham, of course, because they're 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 double agents for Umbrella, and yeah. their their whole job is to hold down the uh, initial entrance to the hive. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and to keep up the front and everything. Right. Exactly. But I mean, yeah, it's there's not a lot of genuine chemistry between them but i mean i see what they're doing i think that there's a lot of that with paul ws anderson it's yeah like, I, I understand what you're what you're what you're conveying here i just it, i don't really feel it yeah it, it kind of feels like to me the two characters that have the best chemistry are michelle rodriguez and miliovich they yeah they seem to have a, a, a little bit of an emotional core and the uh the hacker i, I forget his name the dude that was the hacker was, was like, that uh Kaplan? Or? Kaplan. Yeah, that yeah. was Kaplan. He was actually an interesting character as well. I mean, there's some actual dire straits to uh, some of the situations he gets into. Like, like he, he's initially um, kind of left for dead in a huge zombie swarm. Like, he, he tells him, like, no, go, I'm fucked. You know, so. Yeah, I like how they keep him alive just to kill him off. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Kill him off by liquor. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> of course, they have the liquor in here. Yeah, let's talk about the liquor a little bit. Seriously. Yeah. It's, I guess, well done. It's a combination of CGI and some practical effects. I mean, there was some behind-the-scenes footage I saw with the uh, full liquor uh, prosthetic and everything. The, it, it looks, the whole prop. It, does, it looks fine, yeah. It does look fine in many ways. But it's like, what is it doing here? Shouldn't a tyrant make more sense? Yeah, I would have thought a tyrant or they showed that like the liquor was like mutating into other things. So I don't know. Yeah, you're right. A tyrant would have made a lot more sense for that. It really would have. Or a fail or one of the tyrant like failed attempts or something. The, the failed attempts at the tyrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess for what it is, the liquor is cool. You know, for what it is, but you know what this movie was missing—a rocket launcher at the end. Absolutely, there was no <laughs> rocket launcher at the end, and we needed the uh, the three uh, quick takes. The three you know, quick, exactly. Yeah. The, the, the triple need, take, like, the triple take. Yeah, we needed that in this. Like, come on, guys, why didn't? Why wasn't that in there? God damn it! You got to go all out with it. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things that I do wish it did, and maybe go a little more all out on the horror elements here because there's just not a whole lot of horror to this no i mean there's some bits i mean there's the part where you have like the red queen uh and, and she just sort of like looks at them very quickly snaps her neck and then that that's kind of scary that almost spooked me you're all going to die down here but by, by the way did they have to go with another alice in wonderland theme like why is that so why is that such a tired trope at this point everybody and their mother wants an alice in wonderland you know, reference a better question is why haven't any of these reviewers on in a uh, video essayist on youtube pointed that out it's like maybe it's because it's too obvious like like, I mean, like for for fuck's sake the melia's character her name is alice and it's like even in 2002. Even in 2002, that was on the nose. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And apparently they were going to have a whole, like, subplot around that or it was going to follow that. It's like, wait a second. If you were going to do that, why not, like, I don't know, just stick a little bit closer to the games, I guess. Yeah, seriously. That being said, like I said, um, this movie isn't isn't bad by any means. And I think it definitely feels like it exists in the Resident Evil universe, at least at the time. I mean, before the sequels contradicted other stuff and, and the games contradicted. Absolutely butchered the main characters from the story as well. Like Jill is made into a arrogant asshole. I mean, Barry is kind of kind of useless, actually. Yeah, I mean, Wesker is about the one character that fits the game characters the most throughout this series. So, yeah, I like that they went with an original cast here. I think that was a good choice, actually. Now coming at the end of it, I mean, for a while, I think everybody kind of wanted a direct adaptation of the Resident Evil games, like in particular, just starting from the first game, and we kind of got that. We'll talk about it, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like there, there's good material here to just use as a direct story. But at the same time, in 2002, I mean, this was a pretty decent video game movie. It really was. I mean, in many ways, it kind of felt like a uh, video game cutscene in, in many areas. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that, that video game quality is something that honestly, Paul W.S. Anderson always kind of had a knack for capturing, you know? I mean, he still, he still uh, is making uh, video game ab adaptations, I believe. He did a Monster Hunter recently, I believe. Yeah, so, I saw that. He did Monster Hunter. I didn't with, watch that. With Mila Jovovich, by the way. The main, again. Again. A <laughs> little, little bit of a Sherry Moon zombie quality there, right? Going yeah, on no there. kidding. With, with, yeah, it's like a zombie thing. But yeah, I mean... I don't think that this movie is that bad at all either. It's actually very watchable. Very, very watchable. I mean, it's a good popcorn movie. You can put it on and get to sit back, smoke a blunt. I mean, and I think it's it's something fun to check out during uh, the Halloween season, even if it's not as scary as it could have been. Yeah, because, I mean, it still has zombies, and the zombies are pretty much well done. Yeah, you know, I think it's scary more in like a Final Destination way than in a Resident Evil way. Yeah, sometimes, and yeah. and that's fine. I mean, again, I think for as far as video game adaptations go, this one was not egregious, not at all. Not like the sequels that it spawned, and not like other video game movies. 
Yeah, but that said, I mean, the whole Resident Alice uh, franchise, it did get its little, a little bit of a cult following. Yeah, you know? I, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that there's a, there's a, there are fans of, you know, this franchise and, and in particular this movie. I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty good movie. I'm not even going to say like it's a, you know, a, a, a guilty pleasure or anything like that. Like it's genuinely just a, a decent movie. It's, there's lot, lots of people that would probably call it a guilty pleasure, but I mean, it's it's not like a movie that's so terrible that you're just going to tune out of it. You know, it's no. just, you don't that doesn't happen here. And that's because there are, you know, some things going on here that are fun. You know, the the action is actually pretty well done here in and many ways. The dialogue is actually kind of hilarious looking oh. back at it. Oh, now. my God, it's so hilarious. It, it, it's not the worst. It's just a little bit off. And it definitely feels very early 2000s. Very much so. Like, I, I was kind of feeling like The Matrix, but not as competent. <laughs> it's a less competent Wachowski movie. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But not completely incompetent either. Oh, no. I mean, there, there's definitely some interesting shots in this movie, you know, like especially the intro. Mm -hmm. the, like you have that you have that one little uh, frame. It starts to just kind of zoom in and zoom in and it's of the lab and then it just eventually takes the whole screen and then it, ke it keeps going in and then we're in and we're into the lab it's like that was interesting and i did like the zombie scenes where there was like a fuck ton of zombies i mean that was actually pretty terrifying and you know not yeah. not the worst shot zombie footage i've seen not not at all not e not even close but i mean yeah there's nothing wrong with this this particular movie, and it can still be a standalone movie if you just, you know, tune out the uh, final seconds of uh, sequel baiting, you know? Yeah, well, I don't know. I think that the sequel baiting kind of adds to the aesthetic. I mean, I like how they're just like, oh, yeah, the, the Nemesis project, and you're like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, okay, he's going to be Nemesis, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of fun. I, I think it's, it's cool, but, you know, I haven't seen any of the sequels. I haven't seen the second movie, but I, well, I've heard I, that that's not done as well as it could have been. Although I've heard that the sequel movie feels more like a video game than this one, so... Well, then it's got something in common with, like, House of the Dead. Definitely. House of the Dead <laughs> definitely felt like the game in many ways. It was just as hokey and just as dumb, but still a lot of fun and everything, you know? I, I kind of get that vibe from this movie, too. Yeah, except it's just a little less dumb. Yeah. Not... So not Uwe Boll dumb, just somewhat dumb. It takes itself a little bit more seriously. Yeah. I mean, I like how they kind of went and ex like scientifically explained everything about like how the zombies work and uh, their interpretation of, of the liquors and, you yeah, know, not, yeah. not having introduced the G virus yet either. They kind of found a way to, to they're like, it's the T virus injected into living tissue, right? Yeah. And which doesn't make sense because the liquors were created by the G virus. So that, that's wh that's why it's a little out of place in this movie. Yeah, and it's like if you're gonna adapt multiple games, like the concept of multiple games into here, you know, you might as well go all out with it. And, you know, T virus, G virus. I mean, welcome to Raccoon City, did it? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. We might as well start getting into that here in a little bit. But, but I guess yeah. Final thoughts on Resident Evil 2002. Competently made movie. Lots of fun action set pieces, and it's also very much a time capsule of uh, early two thousands movie making. Like, it, you know, it, it's it's kind of like it reminds me a little bit of like Mission Impossible two. It kind of has that feel to it. Yeah, you know, it's very, you know, it looks good. It has you know interesting ideas going for it, but ultimately it's just a big dumb movie that you just eat some popcorn to and have fun. Hell yeah. There should have been more horror elements. It probably would have been a little more interesting to me in that respect, but it does kind of capture some of the more sci-fi elements of the Resident Evil universe well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I say it's a good movie. Not nearly as bad as people make it out to be. Not, not by a long shot. I agree. It's a good popcorn movie. It's something fun to to get high and watch, and I think it somewhat captures the essence of the Resident Evil franchise, or at least parts of it. And 
I mean, it was a big enough thing to kind of influence the direction that the games went for a while, and I think that's just kind of a testament. I mean, it definitely feels like some a product out of the early 2000s. It really does, yeah. You know, I, I think this is very much the same uh, space uh, that uh, Boulder Punching Chris occupies within that. <laughs> Yeah, this is totally Boulder Punching Chris uh, <laughs> universe right here. I believe that 100%. But maybe that's going to be the new uh, the new fan theory. It's like Resident Evil 5 and 6 just take place in the Paul W.S. Anderson tam- timeline somehow. That, that actually makes a whole terrible amount of sense. <laughs> it really does. That makes the most sense out of anything. Yeah. Basically, like, just right after Resi 4 and then right before Resi 7, yeah, that's pretty much what the series was. It was a big, dumb Paul W.S. Anderson movie in a video game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, I think in that sense, this movie captures, I think, a lot of what Resident Evil is. And maybe a lot of that is in retrospect. I don't know. But, I, yeah, I, I wasn't disappointed by it. I think it was better than I actually had anticipated. Yeah. Because I watched it for the first time. I hadn't seen it before. I mean, I'm kind of getting, intru- in, getting introduced to the Resident Evil franchise as a whole due to the podcast. Honestly, even though they're not good, it, it should be you should totally watch the rest of the Resident Alice series. Like, I think totally. it's worth going to be worth it to at least check it out. Yeah, yeah, it, even if just to laugh at it. Yeah, it, it's worth it. You know. Deep underground, in a top secret research lab, security has been breached. A deadly virus capable of contaminating the entire world has been released. Oh my god. We have to get out of this building. Who is that? It's the brakes! It's okay, we're here to help. Now, an elite team has been sent in to stop it. Five hours ago, Rick Queen went homicidal. Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. The corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. But they have only three hours left before it begins infecting and mutating the whole human race. Everyone stay calm. You have to get out. Don't listen to anything she says. She's a holographic representation of the Red Queen. Maybe our only way out of here. Yeah, I guess let's go ahead and let's get into Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City because this movie also surprised me. I think it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It does lean heavily in on fan service, but... Oh, let me tell you, this is the Halloween 2018 of video game movies right here. It's just, it's just reference after reference after reference. Yeah. Know? And, I mean, honestly, it's well-built references. Well done, but... Yeah. But there's some wonkiness to this movie. Right. Well, and I think the main issue with this is that they tried to condense the storylines of both the first and the second game. Might I add that they do it a lot more faithfully. In fact, frighteningly faithfully when it comes to even like small details at times, uh, especially with, you know, the, the remakes of the first and second game. Yeah, it really has a lot more in common with those remakes, I feel. But the problem is, is that it crams it in to one movie and it ha- takes a lot of good ideas. But the problem with switching between those narratives is that it almost causes you to stop caring or, or not be as invested in the characters. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like I felt like in between these segments, it's just like, well, where are we supposed to establish, you know, your connection with the characters? Where does that come in here? And while I honestly, I don't think the characters are as bad as people think they are. They're, they're just not utilized in a way that, you know, endears them to the viewer. And a lot of that is because of that 
back and forth and back and forth. Well, and, and they're and very forth. different. They're very different from their video game portrayals, which, you know, cause so, so it's like out of all the things that you're going to really like be as faithful as possible, including, you know, doing shots uh, or do, doing uh, scenes shot for shot or having locations just be spot on, you know, you're going to like have the characters be just completely different to the way they're portrayed. But again, that's not egregious in and of itself. It's just, if you're going to introduce new versions of these characters, give us a better way to care about them. And if you're, if you're trying to follow two narratives at once that, you know, it does make it difficult. But that being said, again, like the last film we talked about, I don't think this is a bad film. It's a lot of fun. It is. I, I think mean, it even has a little bit more substance than the, the, Resident Alice franchise. Did. Yes, far more substance, especially when it comes to actually reproducing like certain elements and set pieces from the original two games. Yeah, like, like for instance, the RPD. It's a faithful representation of the uh, remake RPD, and that's because uh, that's because Capcom did end up giving them the actual floor plans that they used to build the. Uh, the RPD in-game and everything. Yeah. They, they gave them the floor plans and everything. To, they pretty much built it from the ground up. Yeah, no, they did, and it's it's impressive. And, you know, what, what we get from the mansion as well, you know, it, it felt a little bit more uh, claustrophobic, and that may have been intentional. I, f I feel like in some ways they kind of condensed the size of the Spencer mansion in this movie. Like, at least the main hall. You at least the main smaller. hall. I, yeah. think, I think even some of the corresponding rooms were even a little little smaller than i remember them being in the original game uh, oh, oh yeah and the uh the, the piano room leads directly into the tunnels yeah to that, the underground lab actually which makes no fucking sense whatsoever if you remember <laughs> the game you know nope no plant monster in this game no giant in this game in this movie no giant uh no giant snakes or giant great white sharks here but they reference them they do reference it <laughs> it's just one passing reference from uh, action jill yeah, like like she goes, she goes, you know, would you rather be eaten by a great white shark or, um, or or devoured by a giant snake? And it's like it's like Wesker is just like, what are you talking about? We didn't want to, we didn't have enough time to include these scenes, so uh, we'll just we'll just make it a reference. More than likely, they didn't have enough money to render those effects for that. So. And maybe it didn't match the tone of the more like grounded feel. I guess they it were is, going for. Yeah, this is a very very much a more grounded take on Resident Evil. In, in kind of like the yeah. the Resident Evil Two remake in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it, it actually. But but even that remake still had the bosses from the game, like the large the large alligator and everything. Did have the giant alligator, although they cut out that. the giant spiders and the giant moths. That's weird. It's like I, I don't know a Resident Evil without giant spiders, right? See, it feels yeah. off, right? It, it feels off. This should have had at least giant spiders because that right? would make some sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, they could have, but I mean, I like that they at least reference the goofy stuff like that or the Jill sandwich line. <laughs> oh, that was... Oh, wow. That was so out of left field, the Jill sandwich. It's like... Jill sandwich. And I was like, oh, okay. Or the, or the use of itchy tasty. Yeah, the I, itchy I, tasty. I have some issue with that because, you know, as it's been pointed out before, um... The whole itchy, tasty thing is specific to a, a a story, a file that you find in the original game. It's the Watchman's Diary. Right. You know, like, it, I mean, it fits the storytelling of that game because it shows you how that particular Watchman, he just starts to just lose his mind. Yeah. You know, he absolutely loses his mind as his infection becomes worse and worse and worse. Like, he's literally, like, scratching lumps of dead flesh off of his... Uh, off his shoulder and everything, and then it it slow it starts to show him just completely lose it. He starts losing his cognitive functions, and then eventually he's just using very basic phrases and sentences. And then just by the end of it, it's just itchy, tasty. They you know? could have they could have done that with like one character reading the diary to another, and like absolutely, there, there's an effective way they could have faithfully directed a scene like that. So it just kind of makes me want that. That's what this movie does. It makes me kind of want the more like focused 
version because I'd like to see the Arkley Mansion story. I mean, I think it would be more effective as a single film or a TV series. I like the idea of it being a TV series. I really Honestly, like that. I would love to see the Resident Evil games adapted as an anime uh, one game per season. And an anime would be interesting. I mean, you have you remember that they did have CGI uh, animated movies in the Resident Evil. Yeah, universe. I, I mean, a TV series or an anime would be good. A TV series would be great, but you know, I just feel like since they've tried the live action thing so many times, you know, let's do something else. Yeah. They could totally go out with the camp of it too, and absolutely, they they could just go all out with it. Like maybe even use some of the original uh, character designs and whatnot. Yeah, but at least focusing on one game at a time, I think just can you imagine being able to like direct the 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 isolation feel that the first resident evil game has in the spencer mansion i mean it like or just that first encounter which we get after we've already seen a few zombies yeah i mean that's what you have to remember about the original game is that the spencer mansion that was such a character in and of itself in in the context of the game and it, and it had it, it had its own personality in a way and, and that's somewhat faithfully reproduced here it's just we get to see it in chunks and it honestly feels like they feel they focus a bit more on the resident evil 2 storyline they focus a lot more on resi 2 here like yeah and, and again i mean the rpd is great but it's like every time it starts getting good we suddenly cut to the other plot and it it, it definitely feels a lot more jumbled that way very much very much so that being said for ha combining two games into one movies and maybe there was some studio pressure involved in that i mean I, I think for doing that they interwove those plots as well as they could yeah i, I just see that. don't think that they it pays off in any meaningful way for them to have both movies in one i mean it just would have made more sense to focus on one game at a time because they show that they've got a lot of great ideas for adapting these stories for a, a cinematic audience even changing some things like the relationships between characters i mean hell I'm, I'm thinking about how they could have done a movie specifically on the spencer mansion and by the end of it they could have uh, sequel baited for the resi 2 storyline easily yeah, and they could have even tried to include like some of what they were doing with the Lisa Trevor character because, I mean, she looked great. She did. She looked very faithful to the original game. But, again, it's another case where the character is nothing like the character from that. No, uh, or not even at all. have any of that backstory. So it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, can you imagine if we would have gotten that with a story focusing on the Spencer mansion where Lisa Trevor's supposed to be, and maybe even include a little bit of what they were trying to do so that you can sequel bait for the next movie. Exactly. That, that would have made the most sense to do here, but it, yeah, it's kind of weird making her like have this history with Claire and Chris, who I, I don't know if in the games, I feel like they might've mentioned their parents were gone or something at some point. Yeah. It's never really touched upon in the games themselves. I mean, Hell, our, our introduction to Claire is quite abrupt in, in the original game in a way as well. I mean, we didn't know that he, he had a sister to begin with. So. Right. But, yeah, they, they, uh, they introduced a plot element where they're basically, they were at the Raccoon City Orphanage, which was lifted right out of the Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, and so, and, and apparently has a link with Birkin instead of Chief Irons, which is weird because Chief Irons is in this movie. Yeah, and Chief Irons, yeah, his his entire personality is really kind of nerfed. I mean, he's just more of an asshole instead of an absolute psychopath. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they expanded on his character and and you know Resident Evil two twenty nineteen and really just made you hate him a lot more. And I liked what they did there. And it's weird that they decided to give him kind of more of a more screen time in this one, but without all of that characterization i guess i mean he's like again you said he's just kind of an asshole definitely and but but even so he still comes back and he still enlists the help of claire and leon and i mean in the end he he doesn't he doesn't fuck them over or anything he doesn't try to hurt them or anything he, he's kind of unceremoniously killed by a liquor in the end so yeah yeah and then there's like and then there's wesker and wesker is not really anything like his other counterpart. I mean, he's not a double agent for Umbrella. He's just, he's willing to to get a little, he's doing a side gig and making money by selling the T-virus the or something. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to get a hold of T-virus specifically to actually expose Umbrella 
Like he was working for some interest that I guess uh, had a stake in exposing what Umbrella was doing. So, I mean, it, it makes his motives like not nearly as sinister. No, me. which is weird because I mean, I guess they're setting him up to be a villain, you know, with the the post credit scene. But yeah, post credit scene. Yeah, we get to see Ada Wong there. At least she was in it. I mean, that was cool. I mean, we got a little bit of Sherry, and you know, you kind of almost forgot about Ada, and then wait, oh yeah, Ada. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But it's like now Ada is uh, working with Wesker. Which... Yeah, which I mean, it tracks with what Res Wesker later does, and I think it's fun because it can set up a lot of other sequels. You know, with adapting some of the other Resident Evil games. At the very least, yeah. I mean, the director expressed interest in a sequel that followed Code Veronica and Resident Evil Four. Which, if you're gonna try to put two games into one movie again that's a good pair which is kind of lampshaded in this movie we get the uh, ashcroft twins uh, or the ashford twins or whatever they're called i think they're gonna be ashford, ashford twins. yeah the ashford twins uh, you get pretty much the entire uh uh the entire film reel that is shown in code veronica yeah uh, like shot for shot right like, almost shot for shot I'm, I'm i'm not so sure that there aren't actual like screenshots of the game footage there yeah like especially with the dragonfly plucking and everything so yeah. so it would have been cool to see like where they would go with that uh, i think the director also expressed interest in doing uh uh resident evil 7 biohazard and resident evil village i really think Res resi 7 biohazard deserves a movie adaptation because that is quite possibly the darkest Resident Evil game ever made. Yeah, no, I think it would be dope. I'd love to see what they would do with the Ethan storyline uh, in, in, in a movie. I mean, that, that would be cool. And apparently the actor that plays uh, Chris would love to do the uh, the boulder punching scene. Yeah, but that's more from Resi 5 or Resi 6, isn't it? That's from, uh, yeah, Resi 5. It's from Resi 5. Well, yeah. I was just saying, like, yeah, he wants to do the boulder punching scene, which... I mean, if they're going to take a, a scene from Code Veronica and put it in this movie, may as well take one from Resi 5. So Yeah. What did you think about Chris and the other rep you know, ver representations slash versions of these characters? Chris is a little dense, I feel. You know, uh, like espe especially... I, I, I kind of feel like the whole relationship between him and Birkin was kind of left ambiguous yeah. in the end. It looks really like do anything he, with that. Yeah, it looks like he he was like a father figure to him, helped him get through the like get through most of his career and whatnot. But I don't know. It feels a bit nebulous at times to me. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. And Leon's just a complete fucking joke. Oh man, what what they do to my boy there? You know what? Leon was his, it was his first day on the job in Resi too, and he was actually somewhat you know surprisingly competent. You know. Uh, considering that but this version of leon is not even on his first day on the job he's a rookie and he's just terrible and he doesn't even really want to be a police officer you can tell no no it, he, he's pretty much there because of nepotism yeah yeah he has like a father who's a higher up in the uh i, I guess in the state uh justice system or something so and, and claire just kind of you know saves his ass a bunch of times a whole bunch of times yeah claire is all right uh Jill is all right as well, except they made her really trigger happy for some reason. I mean, for Christ's sake, they they she straight up muscles Leon when uh, when uh, they balance that co that ketchup bottle on top of his head while he's sleeping. It's like, yeah, holy crap, girl! It's like that's like one of the basic rules of firearm safety. Don't don't muzzle somebody you don't in intend to shoot. So yeah, exactly. It's like she's all crazy about that. It's like, goddamn, Jill. What the fuck? <laughs> what happened here? Yeah, and I'm not sure how you're really supposed to feel about any of the characters because, you know, I, I think except Claire, they're all not really sort of, they're not really competent. No. <laughs> not not even in the least, really. Yeah. Like, 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 like for instance, Vickers. Like, God damn it, Vickers. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, no, and he was just listening to Four Non-Blondes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was famously used in the trailer to good effect, honestly. Yeah, I actually like the way they did it in the trailer. But it's like barely a footnote in the actual movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, there, there's plenty of those, like, 90s references throughout. I like that this one actually takes place in the 90s, unlike the uh, other Resident Evil film franchise. Yeah, it's straight up in the late 90s, which is... But which is weird because you don't see a whole lot of late '90s tech. Like you see a Palm Pilot, you see a Nokia phone, which yeah. which was kind of nice to see. 
mm-hmm. but not a whole lot of like '90s tech as far as like appliances, like like television or, I mean, they're still using like like Chris still has a top loading fucking VCR. It's like yeah, by '98 those things were obsolete. But then again, Resident Evil is supposed to be, or it's, uh, Raccoon City is supposed to be like a slum. It, yeah, like the, the yeah. people living there are exceptionally poor because uh, the Umbrella Corporation was supporting the town and decided to up and leave. Yeah, that's an interesting angle to take, honestly, is the idea of, and very topical, the idea of a corporation setting up shop in a town for many years and then just uh, outsourcing its uh, jobs and then moving. Yeah, and then blowing up the fucking town at the first sight of outbreak, which was their fucking fault. Absolutely. It was always their fault that that happened. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the liquor in this movie. How does it compare to the uh, one in the first Resi movie? Uh, definitely a lot better looking. The, the effects are, are good. You sh- are you sure? I don't think so. I think the effects are a little wonky on there's it. one scene where it's coming down where it, like it looks a little too fake but when it was crawling across the ceiling i thought it looked cool yeah i don't know i guess it was the in, in the original resi movie i think that that was just a combination of uh the practical effects and the cgi that made it look a little better to me you know what i liked about the liquor of the first one i forgot to mention this but they they actually took the exact sound that they make that their their footsteps make all, all, all yeah. along the ceilings yeah. in the movie yeah, that Going was really cool. Top the top of the train, and that was cool. Yeah. I liked that attention to detail, and I mean, as far as attention to detail goes, the liquors it looks just like it does in the games for the most part. Yeah, or, I mean, especially like in the remakes, you know. So what? Why do you think they didn't include some like Mister X in this movie? Yeah, that would have been cool, right? That, that would have been awesome. And you could have tied in the tyrant plot line together that way. I mean, if you're going to use these two games, might as well. Yeah, seriously, you could have Mr. X morph into the uh, the tyrant at the end. Yeah, and, and, and that he, way you still fight a, a super tyrant at the end uh, uh, at the uh, Spencer Mansion, which, and, I mean, yeah, they and, and, have all the characters end up there by the end of it. And also, you can still do the Birkin thing, have Birkin mutate, and then they defeat him. You know, uh, the Birkin design was pretty cool. It looks pretty pretty much spot on to how he appeared in the, the again, in yeah, the, the yeah. Resident Evil 2 remake. I mean... Uh, we kind of fast-tracked, and we only got, I think, G1 and what looked like, I guess, I think, G3. Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and they even had the train scene, so. Yeah, yeah, both of these movies actually have a train boss battle scene, right? Yeah, yeah right out of uh, Resident Evil 2. I mean, this one even has uh, Birkin be the one that, you know, uh, approaches them on the train, but it doesn't, not the exact same, like, monstrosity. I mean, obviously, since... They wait for the very end of the game to have the G-Virus transformation with him. They didn't have enough time to build up to that final form, you see. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I I think it's fine with the couple of, you know, different forms that we get here. And, I like again, I like all the eyes and shit that they have there that looks, you know, right out of the game. Yeah, yeah, they referenced that tactic out of the game to shoot out the eyes and everything. Yeah. That was actually really cool. Yeah. So I mean that that was cool. They even they even kind of looked like they had the same effect. So again, there's a huge attention to detail with the way that they take these characters and environments and monsters and 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 bring them right in. It's just it's hard to care about it as much as you can when you're just shifting between two plot lines and not getting enough of either of them. And then like paying all that attention to detail but completely missing the point on the characterization of all the characters, you yeah. know? It's like, a, I mean, coupled with that, it just it just doesn't really land particularly well. But that said, this is still not a bad movie. No, I, I mean, I guess we'll get into our final thoughts here on Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that this is an example of, you know, a, a competent director with a, you know, trying to f- focus on everything that made the games excellent, but he overstepped a little bit, yeah. you know? He, ma- he It was mainly, like, fan service, you know, and not really, like, giving us, like, accurate characterizations or or, or even get, maybe they could have had at least a giant alligator scene or a giant snake fight or something. At least a giant, at least a giant spider. Yeah, you know? I, at least, right? 
at the very least, because those would have uh, made sense, because those are animals that would have been local to the Arkley Mountains, and, you know, they would mutate and everything. But, I mean, I appreciate how they did mostly emulate the uh, remakes and everything. Mm. I can appreciate that. I appreciate that this is definitely more of a horror movie than the uh, previous yes. series. Way more of a horror movie, I would say, which I think makes it almost a better a better uh, movie for Halloween. But Agreed. I I think that it just has a lot of great ideas. It's aimless with them, you know, with the back and the f- back and forth and everything. But still, I had a lot of fun with it. It was still an enjoyable movie. It's just temper your expectations when you go into this. There, there's some things that you're really going to to touch on your, you know, your your nerd, the, your whole nerd thing, you know, yeah. your nerdgasm or whatever, but it's still a good movie to go in and watch on Halloween. So, yeah, go for it, people. This is not as bad as people say it is. I agree, and I think especially from a perspective of being a fan of the games, if you're just a casual fan or, or you're a fan of the previous movie franchise, this may not mean as much to you, but I do appreciate the level of, uh, of attention and, and the fan service. I think it, it, it is a lot of fun in that sense. It just, I think both movies just kind of make me want to want more out of, they're not bad, but they make me want to make, see more out of a resident evil adaptation and because there's already just such cinematic storylines that are just begging to be done to uh you know with both the level of of attention to detail and the amount of focus that they deserve and so i mean again this movie kind of gives me more of that but i think it's a better resident evil movie than the first movie actually far better yeah yeah far more faithful at the very least yeah yeah as well as whether it's a better movie as a standalone movie i don't know but um but definitely as as a resident evil adaptation it's it's a lot better i think it's a lot closer to what we're looking for and um again it's it's a great movie i think it's even a a little bit more than a popcorn movie there's a little bit more substance so you know it's it's fine it certainly is yeah Yeah. it is a movie it is most certainly a movie it is is the movie the beginning discover the origin of evil why are you back here claire your conspiracies weren't true when we were kids they're not true now we need to expose umbrella watch this i'm afraid claire i'm afraid of what they're gonna do to this town is it umbrella they have an incident Talking Chernobyl, if you know what I mean. People are getting sick. You gotta help us, Claire. Let the world know what's really going on.
So, yeah, and uh, it's a good thing to watch uh, this spooky season. Both movies are, really, and especially Welcome to Raccoon City, I think, because it's just a little bit more scary, leans into those horror elements. Also, you should check out our, our Halloween special on Halloween Ends this oh, season. Oh, yes, we finally uh, rounded out the uh, the new 2018 to uh, Halloween Ends trilogy, the David Gordon Green trilogy. Uh, I mean, if you want to hear our thoughts on that, you know, check it out. We'll have it out at least before Halloween, Pro- probably here in this this weekend sometime. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We'll get it done before uh, Halloween, as well as our uh, episode on Collateral Gaming. We are doing Clock Tower. Yeah. And tying into what we've been doing with the Resident Evil franchise this month, uh, we did do uh, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 2 Remake. We did an episode on that. Bo, you were a part of those, as well as our Resident Evil Director's Cut uh, review on the uh, bonus round. Yeah, and I got to say, it's been a lot of fun revisiting all these good old movies, all the, these movies and these games and everything. It's It's been a blast uh, coming going back to all of that, you know? Really took me back to my childhood. Yeah, especially this month. And, and that's why we made that... Uh, the Resident Evil Director's Cut, our uh, Halloween edition of the bonus round, and why I decided to focus on this franchise this month. I think next month I might want to do, or next season I might want to do Silent Hill. That'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, because that's going to be a fun franchise to to really kind of hone in on. But yeah, no, I've had a blast with it, so go check those out and, and stay tuned for our Halloween special on Clock Tower. Yep. You can find Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you name it. We are also on social media, right, Bo? Oh, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Discord. And I do believe we have a subreddit, actually. So it's not particularly built right now, but look for that. Also, check us out on, uh, give us five-star reviews on Good Pods, on Podchaser, and on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher app you're using. But, I mean, especially on Good Pods, you'll, you'll help us uh, rise on the, uh, on the ranks of the charts and everything. So uh, definitely check us out there. And we do have a Patreon as well. We are really, really trying to push our Patreon really a little harder this season. Uh, we're going to try to, we're going to have... Uh, new film commentaries out at least once a month. I believe we're going to do something from the Halloween franchise this month. Yeah, once everything else is done, I, I'd love to to do a, a Halloween commentary. I mean, even maybe, if it ends up coming out in the beginning of November. Maybe, maybe even do it on Halloween. Or on Yeah, we could do it on Halloween and that, therefore... That would be a lot of fun, actually. I, I, I agree with that. That's a good idea. Like, like, maybe we can have Robert bring like Halloween 4 or Halloween 6 over or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree. That would be dope, man. Yeah, but yeah, we have uh, we start at one dollar and five dollar tiers. Uh, we in, once we get at least uh, fifteen to twenty uh, patrons on our Patreon, we're going to start uh, releasing our episodes a little earlier, like maybe a few days earlier. We we're probably going to start uh, having our patrons like choose our commentaries, maybe. Yeah, and whatnot. And we'll also probably have some live streams very soon, both on Patreon and probably on YouTube or Twitch or wherever. So Yeah, and I think it'll be really fun if we continue to do a live stream, you know, like once a month or so, like when we get to, or at least during, you know, some of the holiday seasons, because like when we get to next season, we could do something really fun next October. Yeah, yeah, and, and we could also use it as a little bit of a pledge drive for the Patreon and everything. Yeah. So... So, yeah, look for that, and we should have merchandise coming very soon, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I forget what website we're going to go through, but as soon as we get it all finalized, we'll uh, start uh, putting a link to it in our show notes and everything. And, yeah, so look for that. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really excited because this is going to be the fun season of Collateral Cinema. It already has been a fun season. This has actually been one of the most fun I, months I've had podcasting. We've been busy as all fuck. Yeah. This October. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and then that's good because next month, you know, I think we're just kind of got regular, our, our normal regimen, but uh, there's a lot of opportunity to plug in extra stuff like commentaries, live streams. Oh, yeah. So, we'll yeah. see. And uh, yeah, I'm having fun with it. I'm having, I've been having fun with our deep dive into the Resident Evil franchise, both in the world of gaming and cinema this month. That's been a lot of fun. It really has. I mean, like, like I said, lots of fun, lots of nostalgia with going back to all of this so hell yeah 
Hell yeah, man. Well, anything else to add? Uh, Slav Ukraini, uh, fuck SCOTUS and go fucking vote people. Because this election is very, very, very important. For like, sure, I need to vote. Yes, definitely. But yeah, no, uh, you guys have a safe and happy Halloween. We'll catch you on our Halloween special uh, closer to Halloween day. I've been Ashley Chancellor. And I guess I'm Bo Maddox. I don't know, maybe. No, you know what? I'm a Bo Sandwich. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm a Bo Sandwich. And no, don't go! Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.